I made a rhyme and I didn't know it. And that's how we're starting this segment of the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Yeah. That's right, because I said I should have hit the record button without even knowing it. This is our first time talking to this young lady. And I'm going to call you a young lady because I do not know how old you are. And I'm not going to ask because that's unpleasant to ask a woman. But and we're going to keep it that way. I got to be honest with you, though. I actually don't mind people knowing my age. But my agent minds it. Oh, because okay. of casting. Oh, sure, that makes sense. Yep. You know, yep. you you so. can be whatever age is asked for. You know, that's that's what it is. I like it. <laughs> I like it. What age am I going to be today? Right, we're going to figure it out. This, uh, ladies and gentlemen, introduced to the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast by longtime listener and also guest uh, Michael Spedden, who I've done the Barbershop, the Course of the Chesapeake. He's an actor. He's a singer. He does it all. This young lady, whatever age you would like her to be, is an actor. She's a performer. She's a podcaster. Uh, she's a singer. She does it all. And we're going to talk a little bit about it because we're going to whet the appetite. And then we're going to bring her back for more if she'd like to come back. So, Tommy Hoffman, everybody. Everybody's clapping. Thank I'm you. clapping. Thank Hi. you. Thank you. Welcome. What You get the standing ovation and the curtain has just opened. How are you this evening? Well, I'm wonderful, darling. I feel like I have to say we are amused after that introduction. I'm amused. I, I hope I put yeah. you over enough because usually I'm pretty good at the introduction thing. Um, you know. Well, I appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate it. Yeah, it, thank it, you. It's so nice to meet you. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, just I saw, I saw your name, and it had, to me, it had to be Dirty Dirty Mike. Yeah, Dirty Dirty? Like you, oh, Dirty Dirty Mike. You need okay. an extra. You need an extra. I need dirty a Mike. second Dirty. Okay. Yes. Well, we're going to... Yes, because that's how we roll. That is how we roll. We are on the second segment of the podcast, so it's too dirty, so Dirty Dirty Mike. I don't think people are going to have a problem with that. I'm not as dirty as people may think. It just it just came along with the ugly, with the big ugly, who's oh, my partner. Oh, it's a, it's a oh, positive God. dirty and a positive ugly, and... You, you mentioned being salty. I guess that that's a little dirty. Yes. Um, like today, I can be salty Satomi. Salt, salty Satomi. Okay, that sounds good. Yes. Well, let's um let's introduce our audience to a little bit of who you are. So I gave a couple of things. Now, I know um, one thing about you. The Phantom of the Opera, one of my all-time favorite musicals. Um, you know, you are a part of that. I want to hear all about that. And uh, we're going to get into right now the way the world is. A lot of live theater is not happening. And until further notice, it's going to continue to not happen, I guess that's the way you put it, but um, when it is happening, when it has happened, tell me about you and the Phantom of the Opera, whatever you'd like to tell, whatever you're allowed to tell. <laughs> well, I am a full-time cast member of the Phantom of the Opera. I started out in the Broadway company as uh, what we call a vacation swing, so yeah. I would come in when other people would go on vacation. And actually, that lasted about um, that lasted about a month because they then asked me to go on tour as a vacation swing. Wow! Someone had a had an emergency, so literally with about um, I would say I I had about a week's notice oh. that I would be leaving for a month um, to go to Kansas City. And uh, everything's up to date there, I hear. You know, they've got about as far as they can go. <laughs> See, I told you I was going to do it. Go ahead. Yes. Go ahead. Okay, I, I have to tell you, it makes my musical career hard. So happy <laughs> that we can make these jokes. Absolutely. Um, it's wonderful. Um, so, yeah, I went out there. Uh, I went out there for, for actually, it was like five weeks, uh, did the show out there, came back, and then um, was invited to go full time. Um, uh, was it no? I came. Sorry, I came back. Continued to vacation swing at, in Broadway, and then like a month or two later, was invited to go full time on tour. So I was on tour for almost a year and a half. Mm. Um, you know, played all over uh, the all, all over like sort of the Midwest um, and uh, Eastern Seaboard, Florida, Disney World. If you don't think. That we weren't up at dawn in our <laughs> rental car driving to Disney World to ride a bunch of rides before the matinee. You got another thing coming. That's awesome. I love uh, it. It was amazing. Uh, and, you know, 
tour tour life is its own thing. Um, I became a marathon runner actually while I was on tour um, because you're you're in this city. You don't have a home. You're living out in a hotel room out of a trunk with everything you can possibly think of to shove in there. Um, and it's it's one of the most wonderful ways to get to know a city. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I was going somewhere with this, but I can't remember. No, so. that's Broadway. okay. I'm, I'm taking notes. That's a, it's a great correlation to the life of a professional wrestler, uh, a, tra- a touring, traveling professional wrestler. We'll get into the, the parallels, but keep going. I mean, you are, sure. I want to, you know, the touring, uh, you know, the, doing the shows and, you know, and, and you end up on Broadway. This is actual Broadway, New York City, Manhattan, Times Square, Broadway. And yes. I've been I've been there several times. I I've uh, been a tourist. Uh, I've been a spectator. I've never been in a show. Um, you know, whether it be in the chorus or a lead or whatever. Not on Broadway, but I tell you what, I always I will always envision it. Now you actually done it. So that experience. I mean, is it is it more of a job? Is it more of a hobby? Is it both? I mean, talk about the experience. What is it like to be a Broadway actress? <laughs> Gosh, please. You know- um, it, it's, it's so funny because it's everything and nothing <laughs> like you expect it. Um, I, I will say that I definitely cried the first time that I sat, cause you know, one of the first things you do is they shove you into the, into the, um, audience and let you watch the show. Sure. Um, and man, that bah, 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 and the you know, the chandelier starts rising and I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I was in the producer seats for, for Hal's seats and I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, I'm here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. And actually to this day, I have those moments where I'm out there singing and I'm like, I'm on, I am on Broadway and I am so blessed and I am so lucky. And then, you know, sometimes you're backstage and, somebody farts back there right you know, when you're standing in the wings and you know or you uh or things go wrong or you know uh, sometimes people are not very professional in their backstage and you you sit there and you're like there's a show going on shut up so it's in some ways it's very it's in some ways there's I, I remember starting and having a couple of experience where, experiences where I was like, I know community theaters that are more professional. Than mm. this, oh, know? my goodness. Um, but I think the opposite side of that is there, the professionalism, when you get to that professionalism, is so much higher yeah. than anywhere. Sure. Um, wow. Because there's an understanding of this is your job. Right. Uh, and I, I did find that in, you know, in, in smaller theaters, um, so something that happens in community theater is there's, there is sometimes, not always, there is sometimes this, um, this effort to be professional to like the 18,000th degree, which is actually what makes it unprofessional. Right. Because the fact of the matter is when you reach a certain level, there is a certain point of relaxation to it. We all know our jobs. We all know that we're paid here to be here and to deliver. So there's a trust. And when there isn't that trust, and I'm not saying that's every professional, um, that's, you know, in both cases, it's not every community theater, it's not every professional theater. Right. But in, in both cases, if there is a modicum of trust that I know, I hired you to do this, I know you know what you're doing. And then as a performer, I've been hired to do this, I know what I'm doing, I trust myself, and I am trusted by the director. Um, that's where that true professionalism comes in and allows you to be a total idiot sometimes and have a <laughs> so much fun and know that you are still honoring the piece. That's incredible. Um, so that's, I think that's really where the line gets drawn. And believe me, even in professional theater, people, people are not always great about that. Oh. But when you're somewhere really special, 
then that's that's what's happening. I mean, that's the that's the pinnacle too. I mean, you think about it. There's a couple of things as far as being an actor or an actress on stage. You know, Broadway is one. Um, you know, the West End uh, is another. There's there's so few. I mean, there's so many theaters, community and otherwise, dinner theater, professional, whatever the case may be. But that those are considered the pinnacle. Just like in professional wrestling, you know, if you're in independent professional wrestling, there's hundreds and thousands of independent promotions, and then you get up to something that you might see on television, whether it be uh, All Elite Wrestling or the WWE, that's the pinnacle there, and then when you get to their pinnacle, which is WrestleMania, you've you've made it. Like, that's, there's a hierarchy, and when you say Broadway, I've, I've done community theater for 25 years, and I, I said I've been a spectator on Broadway, but I tell you what, you actually doing it, getting paid to do it, and, and consistently, that is absolutely incredible, and that you take the line seriously, but not so seriously. You understand it, but you also enjoy it. I mean, that's, and, and you're talking about it to this day after doing it for so long, and you're still talking about it in a favorable fashion. That is wonderful. <laughs> and um, I got I to gotta say, you, you mentioned being a swing. Are you still at this point on Broadway? Are you still a swing? Oh, no. No, no, no. Okay. I, um, when I came off of tour um, I, and rejoined the company, the Broadway company, I joined as a full-time cast member. Okay. Um, I am what is called an internal swing. Okay. Um, and what that means is, um, so I know now if things have changed, things have changed because in, in the Phantom of the Opera, um, and in a lot of shows on Broadway, every principal is understudied to the guild. I can imagine. So, yeah, because this show does not shut down unless the governor shuts us down. Okay. Literally. And P.S., we found out in the middle of our matinee on March 12th mm. that we were not coming back for the evening show. Oh, my. Oh, so the same day you did the matinee and that. We were the last show to play Broadway. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. No. And, and, and Mike, I literally, I have told this story to, to other people before, but it just, it still, like, gives me chills. Um and this is actually relevant to what we're about to talk about. Yes. So I play a character called the wardrobe mistress right now. Wardrobe mistress Computon. Okay. And part of the job is that I actually do handle costumes because my character dresses um, Carlotta and Christine. Right, right. And, um, you know, that moment where Carlotta has a fit and has, this, has her um, stole, her first stole thrown over her shoulders and she whips it. And yeah, yeah. you know, storms off stage. I'm the one who brings the stole. So I run off stage to get the stole. Wardrobe guy hands it off to me and goes, they're shutting us down. And I run back on stage with this new information in my head. And I, ha I continue, you know, I throw the stole. She whips it. She goes off stage. I go up. I go up stage to stand next to my buddy Jeremy, and I, I stand there, and we're watching the scene unfold. And I can't take it. And I finally kind of just sort of tilt my head towards him and go, um, "They're shutting us down. We won't be doing the evening show." Oh my god! And then we continue, you know. And it's it was it's it's just crazy. So so anyhow, to wow. to the point, um, I had not always played the wardrobe mistress confidant. Um, we have a uh, we have a large ensemble. Yes. We have six women, six men. We have um, two full time understudies, and then we have the ballet, the corps de ballet. Right. And um, they have one male. Um, there's actually, excuse me, two two male dancers, and they switch out and understudy each other. Hmm. Um, the ballerinas have. Um, Another, the dance captain, who has also understudied the entire corps de ballet, including some of the male parts, and including, um, when necessary, some of the singer parts mm. in the ensemble. Um, and, as I said, we never go down. So, each principal has anywhere from three to five understudies. Um, just, you have your offstage swings, who are always in the, in the building, and then within the company, 
we have understudies. So, for instance, I understudy Carlotta Giudicelli and uh, Madame Cherry. Wow. And that means that at any given time, we can also be called upon to take over those roles in the middle of the show, which I have done many times. Um, now, I was originally playing... Uh, Sorry, I'm just realizing I'm just talking and talking. You're fine. No, this is great. This is what we need. There's so Go much information. I love it. <laughs> it's all good. It's going to be on more than one podcast. I'm telling you, we're going to we're going to keep this going. So keep on going. Keep on going. Good man, rock on. Um, so yeah, so so uh, because at any given time, either in the middle of the show, planned, or you know, some you know, sometimes you get a, a week's notice, a month's notice, and then sometimes it's you know, five o'clock rolls around, you're heading in um, to your to the city and you get By the a way. phone call, you know, and sometimes it's you arrive at the theater and it's like, uh, they got stuck in the tunnel. How fast can you get, you know, you're on tonight. Wow. Um, so because of that, you know, like I said, I have, I have played other parts in the ensemble and we've had people leave and come and go. And so sometimes you change roles and, um, a couple years ago, I took over Wardrobe Mistress Confidant. And now, Wardrobe Mistress Confidant is a featured role. Right. As I said, I handle costumes. Um, I also have a solo. Um, I handle costumes at multiple times in the show. Show does not occur without my role. It <laughs> does not happen without me. So prior to taking over this role, uh, along with understudying Carlotta and um, Madame Giri, I actually knew every other ensemble member part in the company. So aside from Christine and Meg or any of the dancers, I could play any role in the show. I'm going to interject real quick. I want you to continue. This is just fascinating yeah. to me. When I mentioned the swing earlier and you mentioned the swing, you know, there, there, and you started actually kind of delving into this, that the fact that you can play several different characters, you know all of the choreography for each individual, you know all of the blocking for each individual, all of the lines, all of the music, and can be called upon at any time to basically do any of them. That is absolutely incredible, and as a matter of fact, I find that as impressive, if not more impressive, than the folks that are playing the lead roles. But, I mean, I learned very early on there's no small parts, just small actors. I mean, you you do, you do go in there, you do your job, and you do it well. If one of your jobs is to be such a multitasker and just be able to be called upon to do that, I find that fascinating because, especially on the Broadway level, you know, you're paying X amount of money to go in and see a ticket. You're, prof you're providing a professional performance. There's people in the community theater world who barely know their own roles. Not judging. <laughs> I'm not judging. I love everybody that I've ever worked not with. Not calling out a specific person. No, not at all. I'm just saying it's, it's challenging. It's tough because people have... You know, other, you know, lives, other thoughts, other things going on, just life in general happens. And just to know all of that and to be ready to do that at a moment's notice, uh, I, I find that extremely fascinating. I, I, again, the correlation to professional wrestling. You know, there are several different people that are in there to play certain roles, certain characters, and you could be called upon at any point in time to cut a backstage promo or to be in a parking lot brawl or to, um, y you know, do a run in, you know, go run out there and break this up or whatever. And, and just a moment's notice, you got somebody on a headset, you got somebody right there in the, uh, you know, would be the stage manager position. We call it the gorilla position. It's like, hey, you got two minutes, you got to go out there and do it. Or you have a time limit to finish something. And, you know, you could be doing the same thing the next night. You could be doing something different the next night or the next hour. I mean, it's so possible and such a moment's notice. So I want to say thank you for learning all of those parts and doing them all and probably so interchangeably that we would I could go see Phantom in the matinee show and I could see you doing one thing I could go see the evening show and see you doing something completely different and I'm sure you'd be doing fantastic at all of it so that is well impressive. You know, another correlation right there and I, I I have to admit that even though I know that wrestling is theater Absolutely. I have, had not thought about just Don't tell our listeners that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I mean, no. No, it's not. It's real fighting. Santa Claus is real. I mean, like all of this. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
be honest, <laughs> the physical readiness required to do a job like that. Amen. Like, you know, it's not just, it's, it's, and the mental readiness. Oh, yeah. And honestly, you know, every, you know, every swing, the fact of the matter is some swings are gifted at it um, and, you know, can pull any one of a, any one of those rolls out of their out of their butts in a hot second mm-hmm. i mean for me i gotta look at my notes i will tell you right now that's I, okay i keep i keep notes i take a look um but i'd have multi-personality disorder at that point in time i'd be in trouble <laughs> i don't know who i am i gotta tell you one of my dearest friends um she was a christine on tour she's now with the broadway company she is like the she's like the go-to internal swing she has literally played multiple uh, ensemble members in the same show. So same she's running show. around having to shift because people think about what's going on stage. The fact of the matter is, especially in a show that is as tech-heavy and costume-heavy as Phantom, right. um, our backstage track is almost more important. Because if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you are dead or you are injured. Mm. Or you're in the way of somebody who has to get somewhere. Right. Um, And, you know, we have a lot of moving parts. Or you don't make it to stage because you're going to the wrong place for your costume. Because this, we are one of the, our show uses the entire stage. We go all the way to the back wall. Yeah, you sure do. Um, And so because, you know, the the underground lair, um, which is still to this day a piece of magical stagecraft um but we get because of that and it's an older theater so we don't have these spacious dressing areas right we're we're dressing we've got four people four to five people dressing down by the coffee area and the bathrooms and then we've got um we've got our our offstage um change areas which are essentially a hallway leading to the stairs that go to the dressing room mm. the regular dressing room and you've got you know four to six people getting dressed there you've got quick change areas downstairs you've got people who have to actually go up to a stair landing that's on the way to the dressing rooms that get dressed there and part of it is because our costumes especially the women's costumes are so large oh yeah they they take up space, and you need um, how we get into most of these is they are put into a pool on the floor, so the bodice is tied to the skirt, and then the entire uh, the entire costume is laid on the floor. And if you have a shoe change, the shoes are probably usually inside uh, that pool, so you step into your shoes. And then we've got an incredible team of. Um, of dressers who then lift these suckers, and sometimes they can weigh um, up to 25 pounds. Oh, man. In the day, they weighed up to 40. Because wow. they used to use steel boning. Um, so they, and thankfully, most of them are getting lighter, and the older ones are being phased out. But I have a costume um, that tops out at 23. And then if you add wigs, and then I pick up an 11-pound um uh, prop piece, so you know we're talking right, right there. We're talking, you know, thirty-five pounds, almost forty pounds of weight That's on incredible. my body, and I got to drag that shit across the stage <laughs> and sang. You know, it's a very physical. Uh, the physical readiness that has to happen is is pretty astounding no wonder you um, all have to uh you know keep yourself up you know physically fit mentally fit i mean it's a you know it, it's a it's a, a grind but it's amazing you know and that's what i wanted to ask you um after doing this for so long and i didn't mean to cut you off or interrupt you it's just no, it's no, no. part of we, this we can talk about this stuff later we will because we're gonna there's there's more on this podcast i can i can already tell that you know the likes and the, and the <laughs> follows and the subscribes are going to go up for both of our stuff and we got more conversation and just in conversation i'm just going to hit the record button and not even tell you and we're just going to put it on here and that's going to be great well, but I mean, we've, we've only you know you know we're only at the tip of the we've only 
only just begun, as it were. We've only we just, just begun. begun. Oh, my goodness. See, I got the low part of that. You took the high part. That's great. Let's harmonize. I don't know how that's going to sound <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but what I wanted to say was uh, just the fact of, you said the mental readiness and the, the physical readiness. After all of that, and you know, and we're, we're going to get into kind of what's going on these days since March and you know, moving forward, yeah. but are you still with the enjoyment of the performance, the love for the theater, and just the, uh, the, the joy? I mean, obviously, sometimes eight, up to eight shows a week, you know, up to however many different characters. Oh, honey, it's Talk up to, me. to way more than that. Uh, however many that I, I don't even know. So it could be a heck of a lot more <laughs> than that. But, I mean, are you still enjoying your the the heart of the performance is it still more of an enjoyment rather than a job i know it's a job obviously we know you do it you get paid for it but is the love of the game still there per se for me yes 100 percent. i can tell in the voice i can feel it. <laughs> but for others I, maybe not maybe some people well, are going through the motions it can happen it's a skill when you do something like this um it's a skill to keep it fresh. Right. If you're going to do a long-running show, you develop the skill to keep it fresh. Um, I'm very blessed because it's not hard for me. I I love looking at the show with new eyes, and I, I love finding ways to make it fun. It's not that I don't have days where I'm like, oh, my God. Right, I'm just saying. People... Phone, I want to call this in. You right. Know? Um. But like you because said, you know you have a responsibility, so when you get out there, you're on, and you know you you got to do oh, it. I backstage, I might be griping, but I tell you, the second those shoes hit the stage, there is no excuse. They get they get whatever I have to give there every night. Because the fact of the matter is, there are people in that audience who have never seen the show, right? And they're part of they're part of my technique of keeping it fresh. You know, it's like, gosh, if this was my first time seeing it, what would I want to see? Or remembering what that was the first time I saw that show or any show. Um, and plus, it's a, it's a joy for me. I get to sing, you know. There's, there's, a, there's a cost to it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a physically challenging show. Yeah. You know, we were talking about, you know, that physical readiness. We, we have all shapes and sizes in our show, but I tell you, every single person who comes in drops up about eight to ten pounds in the first, um, you know, in the first month. I can imagine. Um, because it's deceptive. It, Phantom of the Opera on the surface looks like what we call a park and bark. So park and bark is you walk out on stage, you park it, and you sign, and you walk off stage. People don't realize how much of that show is spent running, how much of that show is spent climbing backstage up and down flights and flights and flights of stairs. Uh, my dressing room is five flights up. Nice. Um, and then the weight of the costumes. So it's, you know, and, and you know, of course, the, the wear on the body. I don't know one person who's done that show who hasn't sustained some kind of injury. Mm. Um, it's... It's, you know, you we do it because we love it. We take care of ourselves as much and as well as we can. And, um, I mean, there are times, um, I've, there are times when I'm standing backstage and I'm getting ready to go on and I'm looking out and the show is going on and it's just, even from the wings, is so goddamn gorgeous. <laughs> and when those... That moment can't sustain me, and I'm, I am i am a performer who is a fan of, I love watching stuff. That's great. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons that I'm a, I'm a podcast, I'm a geek podcast host. Um, you know, I love my TV. Hey, um, yeah. And I love my movies, and uh, so... We're going to so get along really well. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. And I don't, I, we, I, we haven't gotten into this either but you know I, I'm also a musician and you know when there we, we do things to help ourselves stay fresh as well 
by doing other projects. I mean, another thing that people don't realize is they think mo- they think all Broadway performers, it's like, that's your job and you go home and you sleep. Mm-hmm. It's like, no. So along with the, I have to keep myself um, able to do this job, which means that I'm taking care of my voice, I'm taking care of my body. Um, you can, you know, sometimes I study at, a, at an acting studio, sometimes I'm with a, a voice coach, you know, sometimes I'm doing other continued learning stuff so that I'm in good shape. But then uh, I know for me personally and a lot of other Broadway performers, I'm also a musician. I'm also a TV actor. I'm also a commercial actor. I'm also a voiceover artist. Um, So I am auditioning. I am creating content. I am working TV shows. I am going off and shooting commercials. I am doing print shoots. I'm going and doing voiceovers. So a typical... Uh, a typical lifestyle for me when we're not shut down is I have to fight for my downtime. Yeah. Um, tooth and nail. Otherwise, you know, you, you just break down and then you get sick. So um, it's, it, it is a full, you know, they're like, eh, you go to the theater, you know, you get there, your call time's at 7.30 and you leave at 10.30. Easiest job in the world. Nope. Okay. Nope. My entire life centers around making sure I can do my job. I get to the show an hour and a half before the show because that's how much time I need to get ready for that show. Mm. And my whole life is about keeping myself fresh and on it so that when I get on that stage, I then give more energy than I, not, not everybody, no, you know, don't get upset, but <laughs> I've, I've worked desk jobs. I give more energy in that three hours than I ever did in an eight hour day or a nine hour day in a desk job. I hear you. Oh. So, you know, it's, it's compressed. It's a more compressed way of living. And then you go and do an audition or then you go, you know, or you're up at four o'clock in the morning so you can get to Brooklyn at at you know five thirty or six o'clock, mm. so you can shoot an episode of something. It's wow. a very intense life that I am still learning to navigate and try not to do that all the time. Well, that is much respect, and we've got so many tangents to go in on that. Absolutely, I want to touch on one thing before we wrap up this portion of the podcast right now. Um, yes. Since March, since that faithful day where you did the matinee and you found out when you were uh, doing the costume change, that so your life went from full speed ahead to what the what the f do I do now? I mean, you know, like I mean, it's so because the world basically shut down. I mean, that's that's what happened. Then as time went along, things opened up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. Now, even just a couple of days ago from now, I mean, we're in October right now, and Broadway put up yet another one. They're doing this every couple months saying, you know, until further notice. It's not like, okay, until September or until January. It's until further notice we're going to be dark. And you mentioned your life wrapped around, you know, being there to do your job. And then, of course, you have a hundred other things going on. So how has your life changed and what? is the future of Broadway. Uh, we'll, we'll take it into, it's, it's a little bit of each question, and then we're going to dig into more things on the next podcast, but how has your life changed? What is the future of Broadway? I'm going to do my best to, these are big-ass questions. Yes, babe. they are, and that's what I'm saying. Just um, vaguely answer, and we'll, we'll have hopefully different answers next time, but go ahead. Yes, um, I, I'm going to do my quick PSA okay. and say... People do not, the, the country at large does not understand just how much of an impact the entertainment industry has on the economy. Oh, my God. Um, you know, uh, for example, and I'm a, you know, there's a lot of attention to coal miners. Okay. And there are, are about 50,000 coal miners in the country. Um, there are at least 100,000 uh, professional entertainers in the country, and I'm lowballing it. I'm lowballing it hard. But people who make their living doing this, it's a multi-billion-dollar contributor. And when you shut down entertainment, 
it's not just the performers. It's the crew. It's the house staff. It's every restaurant that is used to getting patrons from those from the theaters. It's every hotel yeah. that's used to getting patrons. It's every shop that depends on theater patrons to then wander by their shop yep. and pick something up. It's a massive, massive exponential effect that this shutdown has had and will affect the, the economy um, deeply that all stems from the entertainment shutdown. Mm. Not only that, who's keeping you, who kept everybody busy while they were stuck in quarantine? You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I just, that's not to be, I'm not trying to be um, spoiled grapes. I'm trying to just bring awareness. Please. To when, people, when people sort of brush off how important the arts are, um, you know, oh, that's frivolous. Oh, that's something you can put off to the side. No, we are vital to the economy, y'all. Mm. We are absolutely vital. And we're also, you know, one of the first things that went before Rome fell was the arts. Mm. So it's a major, we've got to support the arts. We've got to keep it going because that is, that is a core power of our country. Amen. All right, PSA over. Amen. No, I, I love the soapbox. I really do. I, <laughs> I get on mine every once in a while, too. Just trust me. That's great. So right now we're how not. How has life changed? No, that's all right. That's great. How, how has your life changed and where, where does it go from here? So um, I'm a creative. I cannot live without creativity. Um, when we shut down, I definitely did take a, take some time. I took like a month and just didn't do jack. I was like, ugh, you don't realize how exhausted you are. Actually, we all we always kind of did. We, we, we joke that cast members of, of uh, Broadway cast members are in a state of perpetual exhaustion. Um, but just the, the gift of being able to sleep. Um, and then once, once that part was over, I actually turned my focus to, I work with an incredible charity called Broadway Hearts. Um, we bring, uh, it was, we bring music to, um, kids who are in hospitals and to their families. And it's not, we don't go to perform. We go to sing along. We go to take requests. We go to, you know, I don't know that song. I'll try it. We go to remind them that perfection is not the goal. Just do it. Because as, prof- as professionals, we'll go and we'll sing a wrong note and mess it up um, and have a ball at it. And then we have a scholarship program that was just about to launch that gives a year of um, lessons and supplies in any art form that the scholarship child wants to help them transition back into daily life once they leave the hospital. Because mm. um, people don't know that's a very difficult transition for a lot of kids. Um, so I, I threw my weight into that and I started producing videos for them, um, in collaboration with, uh, some of my other partners at the, at the organization. Um, I do my own videos. So if you check out my YouTube channel, I do a lot of videos where I am, you know, band, arranger and singer all in one, um, I just finished a PSA uh, of a lo- with a lot of broad- fellow Broadway performers encouraging everybody to get out the vote. It's nonpartisan. You can watch it without fear. <laughs> um, so, you know, finding, finding creative outlets um, to, so that my instrument stays sharp because when we get back, I need to be ready. Right. Um, there is some production happening. I actually have shot um, several commercials and industrials, um, which was really interesting to be on set, in, especially because I, I was part of some of the really early productions that were still sort of figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to watch that process of, all right, we sent you your COVID test and okay, your, your results are back and everybody come in and, you know, we've got face shields and we've got, you know, I don't know what we're doing, but we're just going to try to stay apart from each other to the last one was, all right, you're in zone A, you're in zone B, you're in zone C, zone A's, you can come into the house, zone D's, you stay out here. So it's been interesting to watch, to watch the industry figure it out in real time. 
but there are definitely fewer people on set. There are definitely fewer actors being hired because we're not doing we're not doing crowd scenes. We're not doing big scenes. Right. Um, you know, and I'm still thankfully I'm still in the pool that's getting called for auditions. I mean, I thank my lucky stars because there's there's just not a lot. You know, there's there, it's not the kind of um, casting uh, traffic that we're used to. Right. Um. So uh, as as far as how the the next year is is shaping up i have i have several friends who um have taken jobs outside of the industry i have several friends who are considering leaving the industry which makes me um really sad but at the same time i support them in whatever they want to do um for me i'm i'm definitely working on projects to keep myself financially stable um you know uh, Broadway salary, we make a great salary, but we live in the tri-state area, y'all. Right. So, you know. That, so that ain't cheap. A, that ain't no. cheap. And I was talking to a friend of mine who was like, I couldn't believe it. They were charging $14 for a salad. And I was like, ah, that's cheap. <laughs> that is so cheap. <sighs> you know, it's, it's like, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, <clears throat> or I'm working on some projects that will hopefully uh, yield a, a a business that I can continue once we open again, and we have been repeatedly assured that that is one hundred percent Phantom's intention. I'm very fortunate to be in a show, um, you know, with where we've got Andrew Lloyd Webber, who has just been a star during this whole thing. Um, yeah, you know used himself as a vaccine guinea pig. Wow. He's the first on the, he's the first up there to go, you know, what, what do I need to do? Um, I know some people have faulted them for not continuing to pay their performers, but the fact of the matter is nobody knew how long this was going to go. Right. And I would rather that they had the funds to re-employ me. I want to go back to work. Right. More than anything. I want to go back to work. And they have assured us that as soon as we are able, and they have some soft projections, um, but so much of it depends on, of course, the science, so vaccine and or cure, and how people can help, whether or not, whatever your opinion is on the pandemic, if you think it's been overblown, if you think it's a hoax, if you think it's whatever, you will help the theater community by wearing a mask and a real mask, not not a you know mesh mask. Right. You will help us get back because if those numbers go down, we can open. Even if you think this is it, it's a cold. Now, personally, I know people who've died. Mm. Um, so I am wearing my mask. But whatever your opinions is, and you're entitled to them. Um, if if you if anything if you want to do anything to help the entertainment industry, just wear the mask. It's not it's it doesn't take anything away from you. <laughs> it doesn't hurt anybody. Honest, it, it just might help somebody. It, amen. Honestly, at this point, and uh, you know, I've been on my COVID soapbox for a long time because uh, you know I know uh, some professional wrestling has kept going uh, as far as essential businesses on television programming for the entertainment mm-hmm. world, which is great. But the independent mm-hmm. local stuff, nothing. I mean, unless it's outside in the middle of a field with people in lawn chairs all the way from each other and everybody wearing masks. I mean, it's you know just do like I say whether you agree with it, whether you don't agree with it, you know. And if anything, selfishly wear a mask because you know what there's a hundred to a thousand other uh colds and sicknesses and diseases and everything else out there that you could get by droplets or uh you know breathing in somebody else's airspace or whatever if it's not covid that you if you have a problem with covid uh how about catching something else i mean not not i don't want you to do it but you know there is a higher possibility of you not catching it you know be selfish if that's the way you got to think about it i don't want to get myself sick you know obviously we don't want to get anybody else sick but don't get yourself sick and then in turn what will happen is the world will start opening back up again we've seen it happen on a small basis from here here and there and uh you know new new york now one of the epicenters of the entire virus obviously because everything is so you you have 
billions of people and billions of things inside of small, tiny spaces. And mm-hmm. six feet ain't, ain't, it just ain't happening. I mean, it just, I mean, it's, it's impossible. I mean, and that's, that's with regular New York. Now think about tourist New York, which I have yeah. been to on a weekday in the middle of nothing, no season, nothing like that. It's shoulder to shoulder. I mean, yeah. you can't, and I'm talking about in the middle of a day, in the middle of a night, it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. that's going to be, when we, when New York opens back up and Phantom opens back up and I'll be there, I'm telling you, I'm coming to see it because that's, that's what we do. Um, mm-hmm. When that's, a, then we know somebody's got a handle on COVID and you can do your part. Everybody can do their part. So yep. please do your yep. part. That's my soapbox and I'm sticking Thank to you. it. I got... Preach. Preach, my brothers and sisters. Preach, Let's do brother. it. Preach. Um, so this is how we're going to take this home. I had, I've had written a note. I wanted to share this with you. Maybe you thought this was impressive or not. I, this is my highlight of uh, being a theater actor so far. Mm-hmm. One of my highlights, um, talking about doing swings and different characters and different things. On the same day, I was in a production uh, uh, two productions of The Wizard of Oz. One, the first one, was a lunch dinner theater, theater in the round um, kind of a thing. So the perspective is that I was the Tin Man. I had the, luckily the outfit was not tin, so, but I still had to put on all of the gray uh, metallic face paint, um, everything. This was at 2 o'clock. Um, the show ended at Four, roughly ish. It was a, uh, you know, sort of a, a lunchtime theater version of the Wizard of Oz. So it was not the whole show, but it was enough. Um, then I went right to the next theater, which is a community theater in a church school gymnasium, which is the regular style stage on one end, the, uh, you know, seats out in the in the uh, you know audience or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there. I was the scarecrow. So two completely different physical uh, and mental and, uh, you know, voice-wise, speech-wise, singing-wise, completely different. And I did it in the same day. Uh, and then, matter of fact, I did it in the same 12-hour period. Now, a lot of people, I, 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 I dine out on this for the rest of my professional and personal career. <laughs> Because it's community theater, great. I let's see, what did I get paid for doing the the dinner theater show? I think it was nine bucks, um, and I got. Did they feed you at least? I got because I was one of the principal characters. I got paid um, nine bucks for the show, and then I got tips from you know because I also had to you know handle food and deliver food and you know be a waiter as well. So I was doing that. And then, you know, like I said, from Tin Man to Scarecrow in under that ma- that much time and comp- no shower in the middle, had no time. I just had to take the makeup wipes and wipe off the face and, uh, you know, maybe change my undergarments because they were soaked. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and also with the Scarecrow character, you have to play the, you know, the straight character in the black and white scene. And then you have to, because I couldn't put on the Scarecrow stuff right away. I had to play the straight character, Luke, or I can't remember his name now, um, in the first scene, the black and white scene. And then I had Munchkinland, basically, to get into the Scarecrow character because he's the first one that Dorothy meets on her way to us. Um, so you actually played four roles that day. I, well, I did because I played the black and white character, then the Tin Man. Mm-hmm. Then I played the black and white character, then the Scarecrow. So, yes, thank you for adding to my soap. That's great. You added to my my ego right there is what you did. I see you, dude. I see you. So, I totally did that. Um, so, it was, that was a day for me. And then I, I still, you know, I've been a part of so many different uh, musicals and straight plays. And I just, I love it. And I still do it to this day. Do you have day. a favorite? Favorite. This is a whole other podcast. That's okay. We're good. Okay, um, we can do it another Let me time. tell you what. Let me tell you what. My favorite, my absolute favorite so far has been, honestly, being in the uh, ensemble. Well, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat is an ensemble Great show, pretty show. much, except for Joseph and the narrator, but still an ensemble show. Um, mm-hmm. I was Ruben, and I sang... Mm-hmm. Canaan days and I was gonna say that was 
I mean, I've played a couple different roles in that show. I've played a couple different roles in a lot of different shows. But talk about one act, 90 minutes, you don't stop, um, a lot of choreography, a lot of singing, and just the intensity, and then having to do it all over it again, and, and the mega mix at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. It's a Weber show. Yeah, oh. Another Weber show. It, it, absolutely. I, Hats off, Lord Weber. I loved it, and, uh, you know, get, getting, into some, getting into some Weber, I really enjoyed being in Jesus Christ Superstar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, playing King Herod, so I had... Oh, that's <laughs> like the best part! You know, I, because, look at it this way, I played six roles in that show, but I had to, and after being um, one of the apostles in the first, you know, uh, last... Uh, Look at all my trials and tribulations. Right after that, I had to go change to become Herod. And after Herod, I had to change to become a priest and then go back to being um, a whaler at the wall or whatever that was. So I loved that song. Um, that There's so many different interpretations of doing that, that number. Uh, Alice Cooper not being any of the lower uh, that's the top I don't know that was fantastic I love that I, I enjoyed him so much I wish I would have seen that before I'd done the show because I would have taken from him um, but anyway no you know, uh, you're you're bringing to to point of another it's, this is a mini soapbox y'all it's okay go for don't it. worry don't worry it's not a you know calm down everybody it's okay um, uh, ensemble members are the uh, most underappreciated cast cast members on Broadway Amen. On any, in any theater in Amen. any theater and a couple of years ago at the Tonys they actually had a whole thing devoted to ensemble I, members, which I thought was lovely saw that loved it and you know when people come and watch shows and they scream and holler for the principals yes they've worked their asses off and they're beautiful and they're incredible so I just want to you know throw out there if you if you ever feel like it scream and yell for the ensemble because they nine times out of ten They've worked as hard, if not harder, than Amen. the principals. One hundred percent. Yeah, yep. And I've done and that. And they have to know the principal roles as well, right? Because they are understudies, <laughs> a lot of them, yep. and uh, some yep. of them understudies for several different people. I mean, yep. it's it's incredible, and it's un- unsung heroes, absolutely. And you talk about the backstage and the tech and the and the dressers and and the producers and the, everybody. Everybody it, plays a part in this it thing. It takes a village. Our show takes 150 people to make it happen. That's incredible. And you I, see 35 on stage. That that's absolutely. Absolutely incredible, and I, I got to say there's there's a whole lot of uh, conversations and coming after this, and this is going to be great. Um, we appreciate our listeners for catching in with this, and I'm sure you want to know, and we're going to find out um, how to follow uh, Satomi in a minute. Um, but I wanted one more thing. I just wanted to bring this up to a true Broadway actress. <laughs> um, because the people I've talked to about this so far don't really understand it. You've seen the movie Birdman, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. Um, is that not one of the... Just one camera, one shot, just follows around for two hours, and you get to see um, you know, so, some of that life that you were talking about, those stairways and those small backstage things i mean i'm not i i heard that movie was shot in a couple different places in a couple couple different ways but is that a true feeling of what you may be as an actor or actress in a broadway theater is that even close Um, well i i have to say no because we have to remember that michael keaton is going through some kind of psychosis at that point (laughs) <laughs> oh, I, I loved that, by the way. I loved that. Um, <laughs> he, he was great in that movie. The, the chaos. The, <clears throat> the chaos is, is pretty good. There's, you know, Mike, I got to tell you, until you've done it and been back there and lived it, I don't think you can know. See, that's what I'm saying. It's a movie, yeah. and you get to watch the movie, but you got you to gotta, you gotta live it. And yeah, so, because it's still a movie. I I will say we have we have a program, and it's it's been very very full um, where we would let aspiring stage managers um, be able to and it, you know it, you go through a process to be able to do this, but to be able to come back and and watch uh, the show being called um, so they can get a feel for it. And then we also have uh, in association with. Um, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, 
um, awesome. for a donation, um, you can, we, we do have auctions sometimes, uh, but for a donation, you can come um, be backstage. We will uh, get you into hair and makeup. We'll put you in a costume, and you'll actually be in the opening scene with us. So cool. And then you get to hang out backstage for the rest of the show. And uh, you can either, you, usually we put you in places where you can watch a little bit what's going on. Um, sometimes you get to just come out, come down and hang out with us, check out what's going on in the wig room and, you know, see some of the quick changes. Um, That's so cool. And then you get to bow with us at the end. It's a really, it's a really special thing. Oh my God. Um, I, I want to do so, it. So, you know. Dude, I want to do it. I swear to God, I want to do it. It's there for you, man. It's I'm gonna, there for you. I'm it gonna does feel take a donation. I, well, I'll make a donation. I'll do, I, I support the arts in any way I can. But if I get to do that too, I mean, I'll I'll continue. I'll support the arts any way you got. It. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> I feel a little because I I, I kind of know the other side a little bit. And I feel a little guilty. It's like you know what? Maybe I don't deserve that bow because I didn't do everything in the middle of the show. But um, you know oh, what? You're on stage. That I I. I I would love to do that. We we got to talk offline how I can do that. But you know what? You might be able to promote that through our uh, through our Facebook page and through our Dirty Ugly Wrestling podcast. I mean, whatever you want to promote, you can. Um, I'll right tell on. you what. This is uh, this has been a great introductory conversation. How about an hour of an introductory conversation? Just goodness gracious! I'm so sorry, guys. Great balls of fire. No, don't apologize to our <laughs> listeners because if they're still with us, they're here because they're enjoying themselves. And you know what? We're going to talk about more professional wrestling after this, probably. But this is a tangent that we love to have, and we're going to do some cross pollination, as Satomi says. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, definitely support and help out everything that she's doing. And we appreciate you taking your time out of your life to uh, talk to me, my my independent professional wrestling community theater self. Um, <laughs> thank like you it. for hang, hanging with the lowly fruit, fruit here. Uh, let me tell you. Oh, no, no, there is no such thing. No low hanging fruit. Um, no, today's today's community performer could be tomorrow's Broadway star. You never know. You know what? I... I tell you, I'm coming back to Broadway one way or another because I want to. I'm gonna see it. But you know what? We're gonna um, we're gonna break this down, and we're gonna we're gonna come back. But Satomi, please uh, put yourself over, promote yourself, anything that you do or have or follow, like, subscribe. Please let our listeners know because they want to know more about you, and so do I. Oh, awesome! Well, hi everybody. Hi. Yeah. Um, hey. After an hour, she's finally hi. talking to y'all. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm right, I'm right in your ears, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, you can absolutely check out my YouTube channel, Satomi Hoffman. Uh, you can, of course, follow me on all the social media, Facebook. Uh, you you know, be my friend, follow my page. Instagram, my, my Instagram handle is at Satomi Hoffman. That is S-A-T-O-M, like Mary, I-H-O-F-M-A-N-N. So it's one F and two N's. But it's, you can always find me just by looking up Phantom of the Opera, Satomi. And... Uh, uh, and then, of course, um, I mentioned it earlier, my charity is broadwayhearts.org. I say mine. I'm part of this charity. <laughs> um, we do fabulous things. If you have a hospital, children's hospital in your area that would like us to become a, their, a part of their um, virtual world, and if they are local to New York in person, and actually we have branches starting all over the uh, country, reach out to us at info at broadwayhearts.org. Um, and then, of course, another one um, near and dear to my heart, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. You can check us out. And also Broadway Green Alliance, where we work to make all theater greener. Wow. It, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak to uh, you this evening and to, to uh, allowing us to record part of this conversation and share it with our listeners. And, you know, I, I love going back and listening to um, all of our uh, podcasts as well on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, the Archive, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn Radio. See, I just start promoting when I'm not even realizing yeah. it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I completely forgot. You forgot oh something, God. didn't you? I did. One of the most important things. Your podcast. My, yes! <laughs> I heart geek, y'all. I heart geek. Whatever you obsess about, we obsess about. So, 
come check us out there as well. And we're going to have uh, Dirty Mike on with us shortly as yes. well. Probably talking wrestling and maybe I'll, a little bit of musical theater. We're going to see. We're going to see. I'll let you. Well, you know what? You kind of dictated this conversation. So maybe I'll dictate the conversation on your podcast. I don't know. Um, Heck yeah, <laughs> honey. Come on. We're going to have we a good time. Whatever it is. No, please. I Heart Geek Podcast. Listen to it. I've listened to it. It's fun. Um, you know, and it, it, anything you can think of. I mean, I am, I love, uh, I love toys. I love movies. I love television. I love DVDs. Oh, I love, you know, I, you know, I don't mind streaming, but I love my DVDs. I love my VHS. I love, uh, the artwork on all of that stuff. I collect championship titles. I have, collages and posters I'm looking a matter of fact you know what I'm looking at Jekyll and Hyde and the producers right now it's right here in my place um two of the many Broadway shows that I have seen um I will ask at the hour mark wow this is incredible see time is fun when you're having fly wait a minute strike that reverse (laughs) it um that's what they say I have one wrestling question for you for our wrestling podcast just one Oh, oh, okay. It's an easy question. Okay, okay, okay. Any professional wrestler that you know or that you've heard of or that you've seen over the years, just blurt out the first name, if any, that you know. I gotta be honest, Andre. Andre the Giant. Um, You know... Love it, and, and and the small thing about Andre, a lot of our listeners, probably all of them, know who that is, um, and he he passed away unfortunately a while back, um, way too early. But he was a large man, uh, six hundred pounds. He lived life to the fullest. There was a documentary on HBO a couple of years ago, Andre the Giant. Please check that out if you haven't, and that's for you too, Satomi. Please watch that. Um, I will. But let me tell you about Andre. Um, I, I, and this is pretty funny because I was actually in Cooperstown, uh, New York, as a matter of fact, over the weekend, and there was a little shop, Toys of Fame, and they sold old vintage toys, and on the <gasps> bottom rack in a plastic bag was the old rubber LJN 1984 figure of Andre the Giant in blue tights and an afro, and my listeners definitely know um, what that Dude, is? I think I've seen that thing. I think I know what you're talking I'm about. I'm sure you have because this is a classic toy, and um, it's you know these are these are the LJN rubber figures. These things are still intact in 2020. Um, it's it's incredible, and I just found that. And uh, the one thing I'll tell you about Andre: not only did he love the business of professional wrestling, he loved life. And the one thing. You know, uh, God rest her soul, my Aunt Annette, you know, she and my Uncle Lenny, they went to the, uh, what was the Baltimore Civic Center at one point in time down here, which is now called the Royal Farms Arena. Even though they don't sell Royal Farms chicken, that's another soapbox that I have. (laughs) But anyway, this is the story. He walked down the aisle. They were sitting on, uh, right near the guardrails, near the entrance, and apparently, this is what I remember of the story from my Aunt Annette, she got to shake his finger. I'm talking about... His pointer finger, oh and he, you know, he had his arms spread out like he was touching the fans. You know, as far as I uh, can't do that now, probably, but, um, you know, just both sides of the aisle. He was so wide that he could reach both sides of the aisle. And my aunt actually grabbed his finger and could not get her entire hand around his pointer finger, which <gasps> is incredible. Oh my gosh! Um. Well, if- you know, you know if, if any fans of the Princess Bride out there, there's a lot of lore around him and shooting that that film, including him passing out in the lobby of the hotel. Yep. And they couldn't. He was too heavy to move. They yep. tried to physically move him and finally gave up and just let him sleep. That's incredible. That's part of the HBO documentary too. I don't know if that story's in there, but I've heard that story. Um, yeah. Many legendary stories about Andre. Uh, yeah, and, and the Princess Bride, another one of those classic movies. Oh yeah. I'm an Eagle Montoya. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do uh, oh. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm gonna I, do the I, whole I, movie I have, right I now. I have questions for you now. Can I interview you now? Because this is just. I hope you're taking notes be because you're going to be interviewing me. We're going to set up a time that's good for you, that's good for me, and uh, we're going to do it because this has been incredible. Um, and Andre the Giant, that is that is a, a great answer. Um, I, I expect 
most people to say Hulk Hogan because uh, he's one of the more famously known. Even The Rock nowadays, Dwayne Johnson, that's more of the, the traditional current answer. But Andre the Giant, digging way back in into my day and age, our day and age, because you, you don't know how old we are. Nobody does. Nobody does. We are as old as we feel. And right now I feel like I'm at least, let's just say, let's see, I'm legal on my car insurance. 25. <laughs> let's say 25. Let's say I actually want to be a little bit older because let's face it, we all stupid at twenty five. Well, you know, okay, twenty eight. Um, okay, I'll take it. You know, not Sorry, ex- not exactly thirty. Old. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Satomi Hoffman, H O F M A N N, and Satomi S A T O M I. Follow her, like her, subscribe to her, everything that she's got. And I'm gonna, um, we're gonna stay on with you for just a minute after I stop this recording. But uh, thank you to the Dirty Ugly Wrestling listeners for uh, bearing with us for this hour. Um, and I, we will thank let them guys. know. We will let them know. And uh, any final words? Well, I should not say final because you're coming back. I, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm inviting you back. Do you have any words for right now for the Dirty Ugly Wrestling listeners as we depart from this part of the conversation? Well. Put me on the spot. There. I just thought I just did that. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm like, why do I? Well, you know what? I do All that. I'm gonna say, you guys rock. Thanks for hanging in there. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out. Let us know if you got any questions. Please. You know. We just we just like to have a good time. That's what it's all about. We're not right, we're not wrong, we're just fans. And that doesn't go for just professional wrestling. That goes for Broadway yeah. theater. That goes for everything, especially podcasts. All right, I'm going to hit the uh, pause button, and I'm going to stay here with you, Satomi. But we'll be right back on the Dirty, Ugly Wrestling Podcast once I go into this. I don't know if we're going to have a commercial or just music. I, I don't know. Just we're coming back. Okay. Here we go.